Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode one, part two of the Two Norwegians podcast. I'm joined again here by my good friend Timmy Long. How are you Tim? I'm good, thanks James. Big reaction? Yeah, um, it was an overwhelming reaction. You know, everybody was very, very kind with their words and yeah. um, I just want to say I appreciate everybody's uh, kind comments and um, yeah. it really helped me because I, as, as a lot of people see and during the first podcast, I was a little bit nervous because I, I, I opened myself up a lot, you know, yeah. um, and I spoke about how things were in, in yeah. my uh, my life as a child and yeah. teenage years. And um, the main point of all that really yeah. was just to explain, to, to show people, you know, there's a story behind madness. You exactly. Know? And you can come from adversity and you can still do great things with your life. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we're going to focus on for part two. So we've got the context. Towards the end of part one, you're talking about just coming to the end of prison. Um, so we pick it up from there. Mm-hmm. You're getting out of prison. What was it like reintegrating back into society? Um, right. When I came out of prison, um, I had a college course booked. I got out on a Friday, in a September on a Friday, and um not sure the exact date. And I had an appointment for college that Monday, you know. Um, so that was my real introduction into education outside of prison. Um, I started with St. John's College. Yeah. You know, I took on a furniture and restoration course in there, a FETAC level five. Um, looking back now, I possibly did take on too much at the time yeah. because um, I really should have integrated into family life firstly yeah. you know because before I went to prison um, it was different it was yeah. different you know um, I had no I didn't know what responsibilities were I didn't know what it was like to be a partner or a father yeah. you know and uh, so when you got out of prison you have two children and you have a partner and you have a home and you have bills and all this. Yeah. Was the 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 sense of responsibility, was it overwhelming? Was it tough to, like, the, you're, you're, you're starting to man up now and look yeah. after your family? Yeah. How how was that? Was it tough or? Yeah, James, it was tough. It was probably one of the, the hardest and strangest things that I've ever experienced in, in, in during my recovery. 
and at the beginning I didn't really know how to behave um, I didn't know how, what, what my responsibilities were within the home because my my now wife was um, done everything on her own mm. while I was away uh, and even before that um, like she I basically was probably another child in the, the household back then as well because yeah. um, um, the way I carried on <laughs> yeah yeah and my attitude and uh yeah um so it was very very difficult when i got home mm. you know um how did the children receive that my little fella was a small bit strange at the beginning um my daughter was fine you know um but it was a it was a difficult process um i really uh i was really really um lost <laughs> yeah if that's the right word because I wasn't just trying to be a family man. I was trying to stay away from my old life as well. A yeah. lot of my old friends, you know, that I would have drank and drugged with and done all other stuff with, you know, um, would have only known me f for being the person I was before I went to prison. Yeah. And when I came back out, um, they possibly would have thought I was the same man, you know. Mm. And... Um, <laughs> I knew I had to keep my distance mm -hmm. from myself so I wouldn't uh, be tempted by that lifestyle again and yeah. or even go back to addiction or, you know, yeah. use or, or drink or even go back into that life of crime, you yeah. know, because financially at the time, my wife was just doing what she had to when I was away in prison, you know, there was, there was, it was hard for her. Mm. But when I came home, um, we we coped yeah you know we we coped um and i just went straight to college I, I didn't go straight into work you know and it was which which was um which was probably best at the time as well yeah. in one sense so know? before you go to college and you're only out mm -hmm. um you're after coming out of prison now three four years later a different man yeah that's fair to say yeah, yeah. you have a new identity yeah what's it like presenting in your old community with a new identity and people expect to see the old to me what what, what, what do you feel or mm. what are the challenges that that bring i felt like i still had to keep up my own image you know the old persona and there was a bit of me as well wanted to keep it up it, like the old protection mode that i had mm. um that kind of kept people away as i spoke about in the last podcast yeah um, and there was the fear of dropping that and um, being very vulnerable again. Yeah. That was really, really difficult. And I still struggle with that at times. Yeah. You know, um, I really do. I struggle with that at times still. But uh, it gets easier. It has gotten easier, you know. Um, what kind of supports did you avail of when you come out of prison? Um, well, whilst I was in prison, um, I, I was after connecting with the Cork Alliance. Um, they're a charity based in Cork City and they help uh, prisoners, male and female, when they come from prison, they, they try to get them education, um, accommodation, whatever, you know, they get them courses, self-help uh, courses, personal growth courses, mm. anything that they feel will be relevant for somebody to integrate back into society um, easily. You know, so because it is very, very difficult. 
you know. Um, even when I did come out, you know, I had to do my community service, which was the scheme. I got out in um, uh, a scheme. And what was the name of the scheme? Community return scheme. Yeah, yeah the community, community return scheme for people that don't know. It's a, it's a temporary release scheme for people doing more than two years or more than 12 months where when you're coming to the end of your sentence, you're released on um, condition that you provide, you do community service. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you got out, because I was doing community service, <laughs> we were both doing it over in the orthopedic. Yeah. <laughs> we were both in early recovery and all yeah. for games. I'm not yeah. quite sure what we were going to do. Um, um, it, 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 edgy enough time, but I mm. found great comfort in knowing that you were on the same mm. journey as me. Me too. Me no. too. You know that they're probably we we actually helped each other. And it, yeah. Look where we are now. I know. You know? I know. Who yeah. would have thought this? I know. Back it's then, mad. It's geez, mad. That's over. What's that? That's a good few years. Seven years. Six. Nearly six. Yeah. I made a mistake in my timelines in the last podcast. I went into prison in 2012, and I came out late 2014. Yeah. Um, um so, when do you know when you linked in with the Cork Alliance in yeah. prison and when you got out, um, did they support you to get the college courses and, and stuff like that? When I when I got out, um, I needed help to fill out applications and stuff because mm. I would have never filled out an application form previous to that, not not for a medical card or like if we can remind the people who's watching, yeah. In the last podcast, you mentioned that you learned how to read and write yeah. at the age of 35 in prison. Yeah. Like, that's mad to think. Yeah. You know, stuff that we take for granted. Yeah. Um, you see, the education, I knew education would be very, very important for me. Yeah. Because I was leaving my old life behind where I used physical force as in for, for gaining wealth, for gaining yeah. money and everything else. Um. No, I knew that wasn't an option anymore, you know, mm. and I wanted to get into education and, and because I was actually sick of um, being in conversations with people and not understanding the yeah. words that they were speaking because yeah. it made me really feel stupid, Yeah, you know, it's probably a strong word, but that's the way I felt, you know, yeah. and um. I would have believed that I wasn't good enough from my from from my experiences with school yeah. and and from being my experiences in the family home, you know. Um, so education was a massive, massive challenge for me, yeah. even to stay with. But something just kept me moving forward. Something just yeah. said, "Keep going, keep going." I had my struggles. I hit my walls. Yeah, you know. I any time I came across a problem, I I would just go completely blank and. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I you've kept, you've identified yeah. education as being um, a huge part of building your confidence mm-hmm. to go into the real world. You you felt like like your lack of education today left you at a disadvantage when trying to connect with people mm-hmm. not from your same background as you. Let's say so education is like empowering you, mm-hmm. and you're going to St John's College. Mm-hmm. What's it like going into college after being out of school for so long? Like you um, left school in first or second year. It was it was it was difficult, you know, because a lot of people would have still there was a lot of people in the college that would have known me from my previous life, and yeah. uh, I, I was I really didn't know what way I was to carry on or react, mm. you know. But um, I think 
the first course I done was a furniture and restoration course and I am a carpenter by trade, you know. I tried to be anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um I really enjoy it, you know. Um we were being taught all forms of of restoration and uh, mm. it it was it was practical as well. So it was hands on. Yeah. And I like the hands on stuff. Yeah. You know, when when we get to sitting down and and sitting at a desk and reading or something else, I get a little bit impatient and I want to get up and do something. Yeah. You know, um, I'll speak about that later yeah. on. My difficulties with that in college, uh, yeah. in third level education. Um, but even earlier on in St. John's, um, it, was, it would have been difficult for me to do some reports and stuff mm. for that course. You know? Yeah. And after you done the restoration course, that was level five. Mm. What did you want to do after that? During that course, I was also doing my phases for my carpentry and joinery um, certificate. So you're finishing off that apprenticeship you started. I, I, I just as going back to what I said well ago, I just jumped into everything. Yeah, you know, I, I felt like I wasted so much time in my life in addiction that I needed to do everything at once, which is something that's known about addicts you know yeah i think in in especially in early recovery people put down the drink and the drugs and they come into early recovery and they replace it with mm. other manic stuff <laughs> like it's one thing replaced it with college yeah. and work some people replace it with spending mm. sex you know internet mm. you know so it's just something to be wary of you know for people that's in early recovery you know yeah. it's grand being busy just once it doesn't become an obsession and yes. it becomes counterproductive yeah Oh, but so you were doing you done the restoration course and you finish off your apprenticeship mm-hmm. and I went to Carlo to finish my apprenticeship in the su- summer of 2015 and after there I got that I spent 10 weeks up there I got that and it was weak mm-hmm. I was so proud of myself you know yeah. because there was a 20 year gap from the day I started my apprenticeship when I was 15 now, that was, as we spoke yeah. about last week, there were chaotic times. Um, yeah. And my apprenticeship had to be cancelled because of, of going into homes and, and yeah. the treatment centres at the time. And so it was a massive achievement. Yeah. And I felt like I was really, really moving forward in my life, you yeah. know. Yeah. In between all this, now I had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, emotional stuff and family stuff um, that I was trying to understand and trying to be res- responsible, you know. Yeah. Um, so I suppose by just keeping myself busy, I was just maybe running away from responsibility a little, James, you yeah. know. Yeah. I think I may have been, I know I was, I was, you know, because yeah. it was very, very hard for me to deal with. Yeah. You know, because I really didn't know how to be a father, mm. didn't know how to be, a partner, yeah. you know, I, I, I really, really didn't understand what I was doing. It sounds like the keeping yourself so busy, mm. you're biding yourself some time, yeah, till you figure it out, yeah. You know, that's yeah. like, and it's you're, you're not running from it because you're still in the home, yeah, and you're still sober, you're still working, and you're still educating yourself, and you're being a positive role model to your family but you're not quite sure of where you fit as a father mm-hmm. or all these things. So it's not that you're running from it, I don't think. I think you're just, you're busy, 
you're buying yourself time, you're always thinking about it, you're doing work mm. on yourself as well. Mm. well um, when you're, you're doing work on yourself, what kind of support, so other than the cock lines, kind of recovery support, you're going to meetings and stuff like that? Or? I was going to AA um, from the moment I got out of prison, I started going to meetings, maybe three to four meetings a week. You know, mm. um, I got myself a sponsor. Um, and I went over the big book with my sponsor and um, I just listened. I got myself a good, good person to be my sponsor as well. Yeah. You know, I had a sponsor in prison as well. I spoke about that man last week and he was very, very, very good to me. Um, and I, one thing about me, I was so serious about getting well. Um, I listened. I always listened. I always done what I was told to do, you know. Mm. Whether my head told me the opposite, I always listened. And uh, because I looked up to these people, because yeah. they had something I wanted, you know. They had a car, they had a, a family home, which was a nice environment. It was a friendly mm. ambience within the household. And not that it wasn't to my own home at the time, you know, yeah. but I wasn't well in my head still at the time. I was still really, really struggling yeah. to adapt to everything that was going on in my life. Yeah. You know, um, so just searching for that peace of mind still. Yeah. yeah. Now, during this time, I was, uh, I was seeing a counsellor as well. The Cork Alliance had, uh, had gotten a counsellor for me and I was seeing this person on a daily, on a weekly basis as well, which yeah. was, which was good for me at the time, you know? Yeah. And, um, um, so you're doing everything in your power to make sure you don't relapse. Yeah. You're going to your key worker with the Cork Alliance, you're going to your counsellor, you're going to your meetings, you're doing college courses, you're doing your apprenticeship, and you're being a family man. Mm-hmm. Life sounds really busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And it's actually still, I don't yeah. think much has changed, really. Yeah. Um, it was really, really busy. I I think I needed to be busy as well, James, because... If I'd had to stop and sit with myself for a short amount of time back then, um, I probably would have gave myself too much time to think. Yeah. You know, while I was in prison, I would have meditated a lot. Yeah. You know, and meditation really, it, it it didn't slow my mind down. What meditation done for me was I was able to sit back and watch what was going on in my mind. Mm. You know, I became more aware of what I, what I didn't want to be thinking of anymore yeah. you know i had a lot of negative thought patterns you know a lot of negative core beliefs like yeah that that stemmed from early childhood yeah. things like i was not good enough that i was bad you know yeah. and that i was probably stupid yeah and, you know these are these are things now that are going on for me in my adult life and I, i'm starting to prove all these things wrong yeah you know i'm starting to ch- prove all these programs that are ingrained into me wrong you know and that took some work yeah you know it's particularly around the education side i always believed that i wasn't that i was stupid mm. you know i was stupid and um for a while in first and second year this is when i went left st john's yeah and i done the level six course there as well what and was that in that was another course called Sustainable Technologies. Um, it was a, a kind of an architecture-based course um, construction. Yeah. And when I left there after doing the level six, I went down to um, the CIT and I started off doing 
a three-year course which is called craft wood technology with business and it was practical based yeah. carpentry and there was a lot of business involved accounting and marketing and this as well and um after two years i decided to cross over into a different course again which was construction management but during this period um at the beginning the first year in particular i i would always criticize myself that i wasn't good enough you're yeah. not going to do this what are you doing you're fooling yourself you know but i kept slogging away kept working where that's one thing that i have is a good work ethic i i'm yeah. i have you know do you know you have a great work ethic but you know you're talking there about negative core beliefs that mm-hmm. would have drove your using yeah. before but do you think that the meditation makes you aware of this mm-hmm. and do you think that meditation was um a, a good coping skill for you to manage these core beliefs like you still have this part of your brain that's telling you negative things mm-hmm. um a critical side yeah. of your brain but because you're meditating you're aware of it and you're able to deal with it more effectively mm-hmm. whereas when you're not aware of it you're acting on it all the time mm-hmm. So do you think that meditation is good, one, for awareness, and two, for a coping skill to deal with kind of a negative mindset? With meditation, for me, um, at the beginning, when I started, I started in prison. You know, I couldn't do very much at the beginning. You know, I'd probably do a few minutes at a time. And the periods of meditation started getting longer. And I just kept, there was a lot of thought going on in my mind, a lot of negativity, you know. And the periods started getting longer mm. that I was able to sit myself. And I just kept constantly bringing my back, myself back to my breath. And what I was doing there, James, was strengthening my awareness, unbeknown to myself. Yeah. My awareness was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, I knew nothing about core beliefs back then. I knew nothing about um, how to change core beliefs. All I was doing was just strengthening my awareness, you know. And from there, um, I started to investigate the connection from thoughts um, and emotions, how they're both connected, how you think of a thought, guilty thought, shameful thought, a fearful thought, mm. and how the body reacts to that then, you know, yeah. with, with the feeling of fear or shame or guilt. And um, when that started... To, when I when I started to get involved in, and, and reading up and all this stuff, that's when my life changed. That's yeah. when everything changed. You know, the psychotherapy and, and the counselling and all these things were very, very, very helpful for me, you know. Yeah. They taught me a lot and I met some fantastic people. But the key to my recovery, James, everybody's different. You know, I've said this to you already a few times. Yeah. The key to my recovery um, and the key to me getting well with my own mental health was meditation mm. and understanding the connection between the mind and the emotions mm. and being able to, to sit back and just watch these thoughts taking action and the emotions to follow and then another thought um, the kind of give strength to the emotion. Say, for instance, if I had a, f- a shameful thought, or a guilty thought, I'd feel shame or guilt. But when you feel shame or guilt, your mind will start bringing up more shameful or guilty thoughts just to strengthen that feeling. You know, it's yeah. like a snowball effect. And then um, 
when I started understanding all this, yeah, my life changed. I was catching all these core beliefs as you spoke about. Yeah. They were coming up. I was catching them. I was feeling the emotions of them. You know, the yeah. thoughts were there. And earlier on, when when I knew nothing about these things, these things could last a day, two days, yeah. two weeks. You know, where I'm in a bad, bad place, constantly talk, thinking, ruminating of these thoughts. Mm. But when I was after gaining these tools, which I still use today, which are very, very important to me, yeah. um, my life changed. Yeah. My life changed. I came across this guy on YouTube. His name was uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, and I just kept listening and listening to his. I used to get up. I used to get up at half past four in the morning and he had these online lectures and I bought a package off him, you know. And in these lectures, he teaches you about what I just spoke about, the connection to mind and body, and he teaches you how to change them and how to change your life, you know, and how we're all energy and we're made of more energy to matter. And it took me a long time to understand this stuff now because I was in survival yeah. mode. You know, I was in survival. I wasn't out of prison long. Yeah. I, I was... You know, and I I'd get up at half past four in the morning and I'd go down into the kitchen and I'd turn on the laptop and I'd do a lecture for an hour and a half and and then I'd start meditating for another hour and my life changed. Mm. That's over two years ago now. That's when you started getting the peace of mind and the I contentment. Got, yeah. I started to feel, I started to, to stop running away from all the the... The negative emotions that I no, I they're not they were not they were never negative emotions, they were just emotions that were just never felt. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I when I started to feel all these different things, no matter how strong they were or how much you've caught mm. a hold, there were times, James, that I felt I was going backwards because stuff that I thought I was after getting over was coming back up. Yeah. Excuse yeah. me. And um I felt I was going backwards, so when I just felt all these things and left them come, they would always just go and uh, yeah. my, my life changed, you know. Yeah. I went to Brighton then for a week-long retreat, yeah, which is um, a meditative retreat again. Yeah. I spent seven days over there and things changed, you know. Yeah. And I should say as well, we've no connection to yeah. AA or the Cock Alliance. We don't get anything from Joe no. Dispenza. No, no. These are just the things that work for you. This is just my story. Exactly, exactly. Nothing else, you know. We're not sponsoring anybody. No. This is just the 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 services you used mm. and the, the the skills that you learned along mm. the way and the services and everything. Mm. So um, it's fantastic. It's not mm. that you got your found your peace of mind, that contentment. Mm. Then you're going into you're doing your level seven mm-hmm. construction management. Yeah. You're in a better headspace doing this. Yeah, uh, I was in a better headspace, you know, and I had some fantastic lectures out to see. What's it like being on a big campus? <sighs> you know, did you have like imposter syndrome? Yes, I did. I did. I've always felt like I wouldn't. I I, I didn't deserve it. You yeah. know. You know, I didn't. I wasn't good enough. Was there many mature students in your class? No, I was the only one. Yeah, and there was a gap of maybe. It's a. Uh, maybe 16, 17 years, possibly yeah. more, you know, and uh, these kids, kids, they're all grown men and women, oh, um, they were all, um, they were all together for two years before I popped into their class at this stage, you know, mm. 
So it was, it, I was the new guy, not as yeah. well as the mature student. Um, but they were nice. They were good. You yeah. know, it took a bit of time now for for me to get used to them and them to get used to me. Yeah, um, I've seen some of your assignments, and I don't have dyslexia. But when I look at some of your assignments, I'm looking at numbers, geometrical shapes. I yeah. feel dyslexic looking at your work. <laughs> How do you do your work with dyslexia? Well, as you just brought it up, dyslexia, James. Um, it wasn't until my second year of college, out with the CIT, I brought the attention to the, the DSS, which is the Disability Service in, in CIT. I brought it up that I felt that there was just, I was missing something, you know. I just felt like I wasn't able in some way because I never liked reading. Um, sometimes I just read from the bottom up, you know. Mm. Some words I could just never understand or spell. And um, I spoke to somebody in the, their office and they gave me funding to see a, an educational psychologist and I got an appointment with this lady and it turned out that I had dyslexia, something that um, I possibly... I never knew what dyslexia was until then. You know, yeah. I never. Uh, I knew it was a word and it was a disability, but I didn't know what it was all about. Um, and when I found out I was dyslexic, um, it just it just helped me that little bit. You know, to know that like I wasn't stupid. Yeah, I just have dyslexia, and I'm a little bit behind. Just know? another aspect of Timmy. That's all. You just have to work a little bit That's harder on your classmates. You know? And I did. I worked hard. And that's just like going back to my work ethic. For the whole of my first three years in the CIT, I came out with a one-one, which yeah. is my average. In the first yeah. year, was eighty-five because the practical, because I was yeah. so good with the practical, making roofs and stuff like that. And yeah. um, second year, my average would have been eighty. Third yeah. year, I got an my I got my one-one, which yeah. is average seventy seventy odd again. Yeah. But the fourth year, it was a step up, you know. Yeah. It was a real step up. and uh, So you have your ordinary degree after three years, CIT, yeah. but you're going for the honours, level eight. Mm-hmm. You have a dissertation. You have big pieces of work to do there. Yeah. Um, how did you manage that? There's a lot of, like, you're, you're doing a bit of work at, on the Excuse side me. as well, and you're doing other things. How do you manage the level eight? The level eight was tough, James. It was really, really tough. Um, we had two major projects. Um in fourth year one was a project called PED a module called PED it's which is project evaluation and development um so what you do is you have to pick a site um go through the procurement of the site the financial side of it and yeah. the design and all these other areas and you have to go through every process until it's finished and it's handed over to the client and uh, that was tough for me yeah you know, because I wouldn't be the most organized person in the world. Yeah. You know, um, but I just worked hard. I worked really, really, really hard. And I also had my dissertation as well going on at the same time. And the topic I chose for my dissertation was how mental, he- mental health um, affects productivity in subcontractors' organizations are basically... Um, how product how if they were the fault of poor productivity yeah. so mental health. in a nutshell mental health amongst construction workers that yes. was kind of the topic in a simplified yeah. form yeah yeah 
yeah I, I i really learned a lot about how much mental health has to play in, in the construction industry how much damage is yeah. within it you know? and you know the construction industry obviously it's a very masculine industry mm. um mental health may not be the top of the agenda um or maybe men don't talk about mm -hmm. it on the scaffold or whatever um and what did you find in your dissertation? What, 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 where did it bring you? I found that um, men in construction are more prominent when it comes to suicide, mental health issues. Okay. And that made me think then about my own experience in the construction industry. Um, why I like to be constantly moving, kept going practically, mm. you know, with my hands. And that just confirms why so many people in construction have mental health problems yeah. because they can't sit with themselves in an office yeah. and, you know they just need the mind constantly going you know, because I'm speaking about myself here yeah. you know before uh, before prison or anything else you know, I, I couldn't sit still yeah. if you if I had to sit down would you try to drink a cup of tea or anything like that my two legs would be hopping off the floor Yeah, you know and I wouldn't be in conversation with you because I had no awareness, you know. Mm. Um, I wanted to be constantly moving and moving and moving. Yeah. You know. Um, and this is common in the construction industry. It would be, yeah. Yeah. It would be, you know. Um, but that dissertation really helped me to understand um, mental health a little bit more, you know. Yeah. Because of the mental health situations in my own family, my mother, with my own, my yeah. own mental health issues. Yeah. You know, um, and I found it really, really informative. Excellent. You know. And you finished your degree in the last few weeks. I finished my degree um, on the 23rd of May. And uh, <laughs> it was... Big relief. It was overwhelming to just yeah. to finish something. I, I really never finished anything like that. Yeah. You know, this was, this was something that... It's it fantastic, James. And from the level, the level you started in prison. What did you do in prison again? I done the the equivalent of the junior. So you're gone from a level three to a level eight. Yeah. So it's taken about seven years. Yeah. And you finished it in May. Yeah. Fantastic! Congratulations. <laughs> What's the future hold for you now? Um, I'm in the process of starting up my own company at the moment. Okay. Um, it's a maintenance construction company, pr primarily maintenance, you know. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping that I can help people like myself, yeah. you know. Um, this is a very, very important point here when I when I'm speaking what I am about this. Is yeah. When I was in my last year, um, in the CIT, there was a lot of talk about interviews, you know, and stuff like that, about getting jobs with big companies and all that. And any time there was talk of that, I just used to feel this bit of fear, you know, and, and shame in my gut. And I know what it was, you know, because it was it was the thoughts of going into a big company like your Sisks or BAMs or Hagerty's or any company, it doesn't matter. It could be a small contractor, it doesn't matter. And for them then to find out my background and for me to be judged on my background and not getting a job or being judged on my background and I'm a completely different person to the 
Yeah. The way I was so this is an important point. So you've come through a very tough background, um, through prison, and I'll, obviously you picked up some convictions. Mm-hmm. They're 10 years old now at this stage. You've got a, you're a qualified carpenter, and you've got a bachelor's degree in construction management, among other certificates and qualifications, but you didn't feel confident enough to go into go looking for jobs because of the convictions holding you back. Mm-hmm. So that motivates you to start your own business. It motivates me to start my own business and to take people like me that are on the same role as me um, with me yeah. into the construction industry or the maintenance industry and um, not feel like that they're on their own inside in these companies, you know. Yeah. Because it's grand saying... It's grand in construction because a lot of people in construction have, particularly from areas like up around here, have been to prison. Yeah, you know, and, and but a lot of the bigger companies, when you're talking about professionals, you're talking about architects and yeah, QSs and um, construction managers and things like that. A lot of them yeah. wouldn't really know too much about yeah this lifestyle. You know, um, like we have, we get a lot of tradespeople up here, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with a tradesperson, believe me. No, not at all. There's a tradesperson will earn far more money than I ever learn. I'm a tradesperson, exactly. Yeah. But when you're looking at the management side of construction, yeah. they tend to be on the other side of the city, yeah. and you feel that they mightn't have much sympathy for you if you were going before them. In an oh, don't get me wrong, James. Um, it's just an insecurity you have. Yeah, it is. These people are. Like, I've met some fabulous people there as well. You know? Yeah, exactly. Or that that possibly was one of my own insecurities as well. Um, yeah. Going into a company, I just didn't want to feel like that anymore. I yeah. didn't want to feel like that I didn't deserve something. Yeah. Because I do. I deserve, I do deserve to have a good job. And yeah. Because I've worked hard and, you know. Of course. I've paid for a lot of, of the, the damage I've done and people you know and you've taken ownership of your past i have you know and like there's some things that i've i've uh, done to people or whatever or some some of the times i probably done shit to people i probably can't even remember you know yeah and i suppose this is as good as opportunity for as ever to kind of just leave these people you know like if i ever did do anything to anybody yeah and they have my sincere apologies you yeah and um, but who I am now is a completely different person, you know. All I want to do now is provide for my family and be a role model for my kids, you know, yeah. be there for my wife and yeah, just have a good life because yeah. I, uh, I really, really just enjoy life for what yeah. it is. I like walking, yeah, I like uh, hiking, you know. And yeah. And you're a picture of health, you're a picture of contentment, you. <laughs> you're a great advertisement for recovery, believe yeah. me when I say that, yeah. Um, and I've always looked up to you, Thank even you. in the mad days, but especially yeah. in recovery, it was always like you were kind of trailblazing, doing the college thing, it was kind of following on, and um, it's been great talking to you. What's the name of your business? Uh, the company is called Revive Me Maintenance Construction. So okay. it's, I picked the name Revive Me because... Um, it was kind of shows me as well. I'm revived as yeah. a person, but maintenance as well is is when you want to revive something, bring something back to life. Yeah. Um, to 
in a domestic sense, uh, if you wanted to get your your house power washed yeah. or your roof power washed or your gutters cleaned or yeah. you, you know. So you want to breed new life into objects yeah. the same way somebody breed new life into you. <laughs> yeah. And you want to bring people along with you. And this, you're a social entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, and yeah. if anybody has any advice, guidance, or would like to help out, um, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, get yeah. in touch with us. You know, uh, all the links are in the description. Um, yeah. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Anybody in the construction industry that have maybe um, that has an interest in maybe a social enterprise type mm-hmm. of construction um, model, um, you'd love to hear from them. Definitely, because I'm actually I'm just starting this from. Scratch. Scratch. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting onto a few different agencies in Cork City, Cork uh, City Partnership, just to see what what help we can get or some guidance, you know, just to get yeah. this going. Because I really, really feel that people like me in this city, you know, um, need something like this in place just to help them out. Because I felt f- like for a while that, it was going to be very, very, very difficult for me to be integrated back into society and even to get a job. Even as I was working for different companies in the last few years, you know, part-time or whatever, I always kind of, I, I was always fearful that people would find out about my past and I'd be judged on it. Yeah. And there was an awful lot of anxiety around that, James, and... um so do you know what this process now where you're kind of laying it on the table? Yeah. Do you find this liberating in some way? I do. I do, yeah. There's no more hiding. There's no more this person might find out this and that. The other. You've accepted it. You've made peace with it and you're ready mm-hmm. to move on. When you move from one life to the other, when I was living in the old life, yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah. You know, because that's just how it was. But when you move away from that and you're trying to live uh, an honest life, uh, a respectful life, and, and do right by people and myself, mm. um, it's it's different. Yeah. Cause there's that rejection, yeah. that fear of rejection from people, you know, um, mm. and it's an awful feeling, James, you know. Yeah. Um, but onwards and upwards from here That's on what in. we're doing. Yeah. You know? So thanks a million. Thank you, James. It was great speaking to you. Yeah. Um, thanks, everybody watching. Um, as I said or yesterday, if nobody watched it, we do it anyway because this is what we want to do. But there's been a great response so far. Um, keep liking, keep subscribing, keep sharing. Let's make the podcast grow. We see this as a community podcast, a form of digital community work where we can give back to our communities and help each other out. Um, we're so happy that you're supporting us. Um, so much good feedback. Um, I'm sure you'll accept that Timmy is very brave to come on and give you a story. Uh, unfortunately, I have to do it next time round, so I can't um, expect that everybody's seen the Tommy Turner show. So um, yeah, I'm going to be in the hot seat next week. Yeah. Timmy's going to interview me, and then we're going to have some guests following on from that. So see you all next week, lads. Take care. Thank you. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 